This is Mark Brown for Beyond the Room at the International Forum on Quality and Safety in Healthcare in Glasgow. This is the second day and the last day of the conference. And I've just been sitting in on a session around co-production and mental health and power and heard what's potentially kind of a bit of an earth-shaking presentation around admissions to hospital for people who experience psychosis. So I'm here with... Alexander Rosenthal. Maria Smith-Manis-Lyle, author Stein Sophie. And you all presented something that's happening right now in Stockholm. Can you tell the people at home what's happening and why it's potentially earth-shatteringly exciting? Um, so we're doing a project that we call Patient Control Hospital Admissions for patients with psychosis. And very basically is that you sign a contract with patients with psychosis that gives them the right to admit themselves to inpatient care without being questioned by healthcare professionals. So that's, um, that's kind of a massive change in the way that you think about hospital admissions. What sort of results have you had and how has it kind of gone down with people? Because I, I understand that you've been working on this for at least three years, but as a basis in other places that have already done this. Yes, yeah, so, so we're actually following up the uh, Norwegian studies on this. We are basically seeing the same results, <coughs> that the, um, the number of days in inpatient care, but also in voluntary care, is uh, reduced by the fact that they have these contracts, which allows them to admit themselves. So how does it work in practice, if anyone can kind of fill us in? Because that's the thing that people are really kind of wondering, especially people who've been admitted to hospital in other countries. Like how, do, how does this work in practice? Well, if you have, if you're a patient that has a contract, you just, when you want to be admitted, you call the ward and say, hey, I want, I want to come in now. And as long as the bed is free, you can just come in and, and you get admitted. And if there's a queue or there's patients already there, you can either choose to be in a queue or you can just do it the, the normal way. And, and, you know, there's always the usual way. The yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of, this, this is an amazing thing with mental health because I've often asked this question in the UK, like what would happen if we just had free admittance to, to mental health hospitals? And people who've been in hospital go, well, I'd never want to go. So I wouldn't sign up for that. And people who run hospitals say we couldn't have that because then people would just be bashing down our do doors to get in. In practice, what actually does happen? Um, the thing is that for I think that the patient satisfaction really gets higher by doing this. And it turns out that as long my you know I used to be a patient and I also had this intervention, and I think that the focus gets on really back on my health and how to take care of my health. And for me, as long as I know that I can choose when to be admitted and when to get out, I, I want to be admitted when I feel bad because I need that help. And, and uh, this has also shown for the patients that, that a lot of them actually show up when they need to be admitted. Mm. And also that they get more positive against the care, so they really want to uh, get more help from care because it's, it's a positive experience and if you have uh, illness that will, will make you be a patient for a while it's really important that you have a positive uh, uh, way of, of looking on healthcare and this is a way of, of creating that I think. I mean, it's really interesting to me because it's very very much a fundamental power shift 
both in terms of the system of delivering care, but also in the way of thinking about the people who require that care. Now, I'm kind of thinking it must have been quite difficult to get the permission to try this and kind of to change things around that needed to be changed for this to happen. Was it difficult? Um, actually, it wasn't. So this project that started off in Norway, or that's at least where we found the inspiration, that was mentioned by the patient organizations in Sweden. So they took the, um, the care providers, the highest member of them, to Norway and for a visit and saw, so this is what they do here, why can't we do it back home? And then they came back home and found out that the research was a bit, it was lacking a bit of information. So they said, you can try this, but you need to add a research study to it. But since then, it's only been positive feedback. That's really, really, really fascinating. Mainly for me, because it's kind of an example of what you might call outside pressure. It was it was kind of patience, people who experience a thing, actually saying, look, why don't we do this thing that they tried over there here? Um, that's a really, really powerful message, and I think a bit of an uncomfortable one sometimes for health professionals. Yeah, I do think that one, one lesson that I think is important <coughs> from this, from the patient perspective, is that once that we remove the power in, in quality factor, a lot of patients that we think don't want care actually want care. Uh, and also that they will use it in a smart way. They won't invade the hospital or anything like that. They will use it in a smart way. So I, I think that shows us how much the power in quality actually is a problem. And, and uh, you know, it's not the healthcare maybe in itself. It's, it's about the power in quality. So I think this is a smart way to sort of pinpoint that. But once, once we remove this factor, everything gets, gets in a different way that we didn't expect. <laughs> That's really interesting. So if you kind of if you take away the power thing, you can begin to see clearly what's actually going on if you're not ordering people about or saying that you're not going to listen to them. So what's next for this project or this approach? Well, um, in terms of research, it's using longer follow-ups. So now we've been mainly focusing on what happens during one year after this contract. But we would like to see what happens during two years or three years but also looking at self-report measures, so understanding how patients experience this themselves, looking at autonomy, well-being, quality of life, and those aspects. And then in terms of, of the, uh, the working method, um, the idea now is to implement this for other patient groups as well, not only patients with psychosis. So we're running uh, more of a generic model, you might say, in Stockholm now, where we're going to use this for patients with eating disorders, but also with personality disorders. It sounds really, really exciting to me. If any of the three of you had something to tell the rest of the world about this approach or this research, what would you want to say? Um, everybody has worries when they haven't done this before. Everybody tends to think that the patients will invade or they will use it wrongly. And, and yet this hasn't occurred in any way that has been a problem. So I think that you should really try it if, if you're interested in this. And, and if you're really scared, I mean, start in a small scale or something. But, but it's really a good way of changing the organization attitudes towards people with mental health problems. Um, I can just add on as a registered nurse myself that we need to start accepting that 
patients very often make more clever decisions for themselves than we do for them. Mm -hmm.